This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Subscribe on patreon.com slash districtsentinel to help support the co-op. Get access to all the bonus content and get your own haiku written for you in red on air. And really keep them coming, folks, since we put out the call on uh, on Monday for some new subscribers. You all have responded. And uh, we are inching our way closer to our goals to making this whole operation sustainable. And on the way, hitting that goal of releasing the Sam Sachs fight video. So uh, keep them coming. We now have a huge backlog of haiku to read, to write, and then read on air. So uh, it might take a few episodes before you hear your haiku if you recently subscribe, but we... We'll definitely get to it. So it looks like Twitter is real life. Uh, once again, I noted uh, the other day that people who argue Twitter isn't real life are wrong, as evidenced by the fact that real life was having a debate over whether or not you can be racist toward Italians, <laughs> a topic that I thought existed only on Twitter. And then last night, MSNBC is playing or showing tweets from the horse whisperer. <laughs> a notorious online entity just known for their awful takes all the time and getting dunked on by leftists on Twitter. Uh, if I understand things correctly, the uh, the horse whisperer might not be anonymous <laughs> for, for too yeah, much longer. Anymore. Yeah, not anymore. The horse whisperer was a contender in this year's worst tweet tournament. Oh, for the... Uh, it, it was something about salty, snark. Yeah, salty snark and i'm feeling really salty today here's my snark festo something like that oh yeah my snark festo yeah. yeah my snark festo that was w- it. one of the most brilliant minds the advertising world has to offer <laughs> right there serving up the snark festo i gotta say when i decided a few months ago to stop watching msnbc or at least stop having it on in the background in the newsroom it's been one of the best decisions i've ever made I, I don't tweet as much because I'm not getting mad at the TV as much in tweeting about it. But really, it was not exactly productive tweeting. So maybe Twitter isn't real life. And maybe this is just more evidence that cable news uh, only matters so much. That cable news is just like one giant group DM. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's not. I think we overhype the influence often of cable news complaining about the coverage that Bernie Sanders is getting on MSNBC or the New York Times or Washington Post. I've been there. I've done that. I was doing that all through 2016 and and recently, but it's pointless at this point. I mean, if Bernie was receiving favorable coverage from the from MSNBC, I'd wonder what the hell's going on here. I'd wonder what he's doing wrong. I think it's I think it's more productive and I don't see Bernie himself complaining about this. He's basically stating true things about how the media works and you have outlets absolutely losing their shit about it but i see it from mostly as supporters who are like very mad all the time about how bernie's treated in the media you need to just welcome their hatred i do think the washington post uh coverage is more worthy of complaining about than the cable news coverage for some reason i feel like the washington post uh even though decades of evidence to the contrary but it should know better but obviously it doesn't and 
it, it really shouldn't know better. Yeah, I mean, it's under the ownership <laughs> of Jeff Bezos now. But, and even before, it was... it was. Uh, but now it's explicitly... Now explicitly, yeah. One of the, the most powerful oligarchs in the world. I, I, get the, I get the argument that, like, we need to expose the bias and we need to call out these outlets when they are biased, but I think it only has so much mileage. And yes, Trump won an election by complaining about the media all the time, but the media wasn't biased against him. I mean, the media was giving him tons of coverage, tons of tons of free airtime for for Donald Trump. The media helped him, yeah, uh, in his his campaign. There might be some benefit, and everybody hates the fucking media, so there might be some men- benefit in running against the media. But at the same time, we all know that Bernie is going to win if he turns out lots of new voters, people who are just now participating in politics or people who have been disgusted with the political process for so long that they got away from it and are now coming back into it inspired by Bernie. And I'm not sure cable news is where these people are going to get their news. So complaining about how MSNBC is treating Bernie, I don't know how much mileage that his has with new voters who are coming into the fold. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely an echo chamber. Long story short, turn off M- MSNBC <laughs> for, for self-care reasons. An update on a story we covered earlier this week. We uh, talked about the public charge rule that the Trump administration is proposing to try to shut out poor immigrants from the United States. And we noted that uh, acting immigration agency director Ken Cuccinelli, acting director of USCIS, he uh, responded to a journalist question by saying, oh, we're, we're not trying to change the Emma Lazarus poem on the Statue of Liberty, which, uh, of course, says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe, breathe free. Well, it seems Cuccinelli has somewhat walked back this statement because since we reported on that, he went on NPR saying that the poem should be interpreted as give me your tired and your poor who can stand on their own two feet and who will not become a public charge. So he is trying to rewrite the poem. <laughs> and then he went on uh, CNN and said that the poem was about, quote, people coming from Europe. So, Like his family. Yeah. It is, uh, it, it is not... It, it's not how he answered the question before. In- Look, Emma Lazarus' poem, it only referred to the Italians, the Cuccinellis. That's all it was referring to. Uh, forget about it. You know what? It, 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 moving to a more lighthearted topic, the uh, Chris Cuomo freakout over being called <laughs> Fredo by a Trump supporter. <laughs> I do think it would be kind of funny if Trump's standing with Republicans finally went down because he and his son were laughing at a totally non-existent bigotry, a.k.a. bigotry against Italians. <laughs> if suddenly Republicans were like, you know, I like this Trump guy, but now he's doing like the liberals and doing the, the anti-Italian hatred. <laughs> and then suddenly he's at like 60% approval rating with Republicans. Did you notice Chris Cuomo's tough guy voice that he put on in that video? I didn't actually watch the video, oh, but... You should watch the video and uh, so we can discuss the Chris Cuomo tough guy voice that he sports when he's threatening to throw someone down the stairs. <laughs> All right, let's get to the important stuff. It's Wednesday, August 14th, 2019. Here's the news. 
So a few weeks ago, we covered a Federal Trade Commission settlement with Equifax. The agency said individuals were entitled to $125 in cash if their info was compromised by Equifax in their infamous late 2017 data breach. All you had to do was check a database containing the IDs of the victims, all 145 million of them. Just enter your last few social security numbers. If you came up, bam, you would be eligible for 125 bucks as part of the settlement. Done and done. Well, <laughs> at least that's what the FTC said. Now it looks like the agency was lying, big time. Elizabeth Warren released a letter today she sent yesterday to the FTC Inspector General. The senator noted the settlement funding these alleged $125 payments was capped at $31 million. Now, that means there was only enough to give $125 payments to 248,000 people, less than 0.2% of all of Equifax victims. <laughs> Shit. Never, nevertheless, the agency trumpeted the $125 number. All the while, settlement fine print said payments, quote, shall be reduced on a pro rata basis if the fund can't pay out $125 to each claimant. So I might not get $125, yeah, what you're saying. It's, it's not looking likely. How do I get in that 0.2%? <laughs> you just got to, like, maybe convince everyone else to not claim mm. the settlement. We got to wipe that old episode uh, from the internet, which we well, probably should now because yeah. it's looking like everyone's going to get not $125. Well, I think we're doing our part by reporting this story. True. Discouraging people from even trying at this point. <laughs> Which, full disclosure, will make you personally uh, more money. It's a long shot. <laughs> willing to try. <laughs> you could retire on that $125. No, anyway. Well, if I take that $125 and invest it... Uh, uh, now, there's some irony to this that would probably be considered too on the nose if you included it in fiction about the Trump administration. As Warren noted, of course, the FTC is the agency charged with investigating unfair and deceptive practices. Anyway, I wouldn't be too surprised if the White House pressured the FTC into doing this, into advertising this $125 con, uh, or maybe someone at the agency just wanted to impress the president by grifting like him on his behalf. There's something fishy going on at the Centers for Disease Control. According to a press release on Wednesday by the oversight group Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, or PEER, the agency is engaged in suppressing climate change research and engaged in whistleblower retaliation. Story centers on Dr. George Luber, the former head of the CDC's Climate and Health Program, the only body actually researching how climate change will affect human health. It's important work since scientists have warned that as the planet warms, the risk of disease outbreaks increases. Well, following the 2016 election under the Trump administration, CDC officials moved to kill the Climate and Health Program by merging it with another office studying asthma and indoor air pollution. Dr. Luber, who's been the lead author on over 50 reports on climate change and human health, began speaking out against the reorganizing plans, and that's when the trouble started for him. According to Peer, Luber has been barred by the agency from publicly talking about climate change. He's been prohibited from going on the CDC campus without prior permission and without a full search. And he's now facing a 120-day suspension based on bogus charges. Peer's staff counsel said, quote, as our climate spins out of control, bureaucrats eager to please the Trump administration have worked feverishly to destroy the reputations of climate scientists who stand in its way. 
Now, I don't mean to make light of this, but I can't help but wonder if uh, the CDC has hired some Twitter mods <laughs> to, to deal with uh, Dr. Luber. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Members of Congress have now caught wind of what's going on at the CDC. Congressman Frank Pallone Jr. wrote a letter at the end of last month to CDC Director Robert Redfield demanding to know what happened to the funds that Congress appropriated for the now-defunct climate and health program. Pallone demanded a briefing from CDC officials on the issue sometime this month. Maybe Luber should do a loomer and mock himself (laughs) to the CDC. (laughs) Financial market indicators show the U.S. economy is headed for a recession again. Today, yields on two-year U.S. Treasury bonds rose above yields on 10-year Treasury bonds, an arcane benchmark showing investors are spooked by short-term prospects. Stock markets opened Tuesday morning to a sell-off, with all three major indices losing about 10% of their value. President Trump reacted to the news, as you'd expect, by diaping up on Twitter, saying, quote, tremendous amounts of money pouring into the United States. People want safety. Now, there is a kernel of truth to this. Unfortunately, in this case, safety means assets that don't mature for 10 years. Investors are not jazzed about the next 24 months. The so-called inverted yield curve last happened with two-year and 10-year treasury bonds in June 2007. The Great Recession officially started six months later in December. Now, there's no guarantee the economy will be contracting by the new year or in January or whenever. But CBS said the average lag time between yield inversion and recession has been 14 months over the past nine business cycles on average. Huffington Post cited a Raymond James analyst saying the lag time is 22 months. For the sake of everyone in the long term, we need this to happen well before the next presidential election. Yeah. Reuters said today's stock sell-off and yield inversion happened in the wake of news of slowing economies in Germany and China. Also, there was that huge Argentinian sell-off on Monday. As of right now, at the time of this recording, the market is down 720 points. Yikes. Finally, FCC Chairman Ajit Pai formally gave his approval to the largest wireless merger in U.S. history. $26 billion deal that would combine the third largest provider, T-Mobile, with the fourth largest provider, Sprint. The Department of Justice already approved the merger with a few conditions, including forcing Sprint to sell off some of its business to Dish Network to allow a new competitor in the wireless industry. Pi claimed that as a result, the merger will lead to more competition and faster internet access at lower costs for consumers, all of which is complete bullshit. But Pi does have the support of two of his fellow Republican commissioners on the panel, all but assuring the FCC will approve the merger. Despite opposition from the two Democratic appointees on the commission, one of them, Jessica Rosenworcel, argued that removing competition will not increase competition, as the chairman claimed. She also noted that much of the work on this merger has been done behind closed doors without public input. On Monday, the Wireless Internet Services Providers Association requested a public notice and review period before the FCC could approve the merger, but T-Mobile and Sprint filed in opposition to that public notice, arguing that it was a baseless attempt to further delay proceedings. Once the FCC gives the green light here, the merger will still have to withstand multiple legal challenges that have been brought by 16 state attorneys general who've argued that the buyout will have an unfair effect on competition in their states. That'll wrap things up for the newscast today, but we still have some business at hand, mainly some poetry reading. Time to read some haiku for our new subscribers. 
at patreon.com slash district sentinel. This first one goes out to Maddie tailoring a suit for FCC's iGIP pie. Gonna need more cloth. Thank you, Maddie. My dude loves his giant suits, doesn't he? He does. This is for Mason. Secretary Steve, Treasury Man Mnuchin, my dude loves to fuck. Thank you, Mason, bringing back all the classics here in uh, this haiku session. This goes out to Austin. Lean in to hear the ants talking to each other, mostly about sports. Thank you, Austin. It's true. It's weird. There's also always ants on the side being like, oh, what are y'all talking about sports again? (laughs) This is for John. No labor camp jokes, but Barstool Sports mailing list will help us one day. (laughs) Thank you, John. This is for Chris H. I dream of world peace, not just among the humans, but all the mammals. Thank you, Chris H. That's for like of the dog out there. No time for the reptiles, I see. No, not yet. That's don't want to be too much of a dreamer here. Finally, this is for Michael. Summer is lovely, except for one type of dude, chocolate in pockets. <laughs> Are you that type of dude? I used to be. <laughs> thank you, Michael. And thank you to all the new subscribers on Patreon. If you haven't heard your haiku yet keep listening it'll be coming up on future shows because we've got quite a backlog here all right the listener rant line is blinking let's check out the message here before we go i have similar suspicions about jeffrey epstein's suicide as i do of the reported whereabouts of internate the mrs miscavige of the left Is the caller implying that we uh, have locked Nate up somewhere? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure what the implication was there. Well, I, I think that the, it, the Mrs. Miscavige is like the missing Scientology wife like <laughs> of, the, of like one of the Scientology church leaders, who apparently isn't missing, but is out there. Maybe the caller was implying that intern Nate had something to do with killing Jeffrey Epstein. Maybe. All I know is that Nate is conveniently on vacation at the time that Jeffrey Epstein was killed. Nate claims he was in the Midwest, but I don't know. I'm just saying I've never seen intern Nate and Steve Jail in the same room together. (laughs) If the caller is looking for proof of life of intern Nate, he's on Twitter. I think he just recently changed his handle or something to like broom something. I know his suspension is over, so yeah. congrats to intern Nate, yeah. but he might still be locked. Is he locked? No, he, he unlocked. He unlocked. He finally he unlocked, unlocked. To tell everybody that he arrived at the airport today two and a half hours before his flight, which I think is responsible. I support that move. As I, You quote him, tweeted it, yeah, right? I gave yeah. him credit on Twitter and told him that in addition to arriving early to your flight, you should also board the plane as late as possible. That's true. I don't... I Well... <clears throat> one one argument against that is sometimes the overhead compartments above your seat are all taken and then you have to go all the way back down the plane and so if you if you uh I pack light. All right. I pack light. I don't have this problem. But yeah, if you depend on overhead space then don't listen to my advice. 
That'll do it for the show today. Thank you for listening. Again, subscribe on patreon.com slash district sentinel so you can get all the bonus content, including the garbage can proceedings at the end of the week. Till then, we're here in DC, so you don't have to be.